Welcome to the Radiant Astrology Podcast, where we illuminate the wisdom of the cosmos for spiritual insight and soul-level healing. I'm your host, Christina Caudill. Thank you for joining me. Hello and welcome to the Radiant Astrology Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Caudill evolutionary astrologer and transformational coach. My guest today is Shireen Vismaya. She's an astrologer and a Jungian analyst, and I'll be discussing with her the monumental transits of Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn, as they're both stationing for their retrograde transit. I love chatting with Shireen. She is so insightful and wise and brilliant, and she's one of those astrologers who really uses astrology for the purpose of self-knowledge and depth of insight and that can be very healing for the soul and I know you all know that I'm very passionate about that same thing as well and so rather than using astrology simply as a tool for divination or prediction of what might happen it can really be a powerful system of deepening our self-awareness but before I get into my discussion with Shireen, I want to let you know that I have extended my special offer on my past life experience sessions. These are two hour one-on-one -on -one sessions where we look at your astrology from an evolutionary astrology perspective and look at some of the karmic signatures from past lives or just the early lifetime that may still need resolution. So the first hour is an astrology reading and the second hour is a guided past life meditation and I do some energy clearing and an I Ching divination as well and these journeys have been so incredible and powerful for my clients. Um, I've been getting some beautiful testimonials. I'll read one just real quickly this one. Um, I just received last week. She said, I chose to work with Christina in a two-hour past life session, which was an amazing journey. I was gifted with a message that was so clear and pure. I left the session feeling very peaceful. What was the most interesting is how that message came back into my awareness only 24 hours later. I was confronted by a trigger that spiraled me back into a cycle of shame and hiding. And within moments of allowing the feelings to sweep over me, I heard my wise woman crone whisper that message to me to remember to embody now. The feelings of peace and compassion since then have been life-changing for me. I highly recommend Christina's services to help reconnect you to your soul's truth. I have long felt these nudges to go deeper, but had been afraid for fear of what I might find there. And now I see it has all been powerfully healing. Thank you, Christina, for sharing your divine radiance and gifts. And that is from Elsa Perez-Dean. Thank you so much. It is just such an honor to be able to do this work. Um, I use techniques from evolutionary astrology and guided meditation and past life regression. And we just sort of gently go in to see what the soul is saying is the presenting issue in your life that you might not be fully consciously aware of. You can check out my services page at radiantastrology.com and use the discount code PLUTO20 and you can save $20 until May 1st. Again, that's radiantastrology.com. Go to the services page and visit the past life experience session to book your session. 
And for those of you who want to learn more about astrology, we are about to launch our Aspects course for New Paradigm Astrology. Aspects are a way to really understand how the planets play with each other or fight with each other or speak to each other. It's planetary dynamics and it's so important to understand these I've actually even learned more just preparing my lesson. I'm doing the lessons on the lunar phases. And we all think we know, yeah, the eight lunar phases, uh, new moon waxing to full moon and then waning back to new moon. But actually from evolutionary astrology, we see this as a phases symbolic of self-actualization. And it's really fascinating to just really get what that could mean with the interplay between the sun and the moon. And so the Aspects course is a seven weeks course. It's very in-depth. We'll be going through all the phases, all the aspects, aspect patterns, planetary dynamics. Um, It's with Kay Pacha and the New Paradigm Astrology Astrologers, a really amazing group of astrologers. And we start on the Taurus New Moon, which is coming up May 4th. Um, And now this is part three of the Astrology for the Soul course. You don't have to have taken parts one and two, which were about um, the signs and the planets. If you already have an idea of the signs and planets, you can jump right in. And the aspects really are, you know, this, we're ramping it up. So this is more of an intermediate course, intermediate that gets more advanced as we go. So if you're at that level, this is perfect for you. You know, I hear so many times people wanting to learn about aspects and, you know, they want to start with the most complicated things. They want to look at kites and yods and, you know, whatever. But really, we want to start with the basics. Make sure you know all of the main aspects. And then we start building from there. And then the charts really come alive and speak to you. And if you want to take the whole course, you know, this is a four part course that's all about chart interpretation. And you can still do that as well and just catch up on parts one and two. But again, we are starting May 4th. So join us. This is such an amazing group. Um, And it's really important now more than ever to be connecting with other like-minded individuals uh, where you are on the same page with the paradigms that we view the world through. And astrology is so helpful right now with all the world transformation we're going through right now. Um, So I invite you to visit us at newparadigmastrology.com. Find the Planetary Relationships course. That's part three of the Astrology for the Soul course and join us on May 4th. Okay, so as I'm recording this episode, it's April 28th and Pluto just recently stationed retrograde in Capricorn on April 24th and he'll be retrograding through to October 3rd. So that's about a five-month retrograde. Um, Pluto retrogrades every year, so it's you know not unusual, but He's very close to Saturn, right on the south node. So that is why this is incredibly, you know, feeling like a real impact that we're having from Pluto. And not only Pluto, but also Saturn is stationing retrograde on Tuesday, April 30th. And he'll be retrograde through September 18th. Again, this is the annual retrograde. However, um, it's, you know, this Pluto-Saturn conjunction uh, on the nodes um, is what is making it feel so monumental at this time. 
so many different shifts and changes and destructions and restructuring of power and what we build our society on the very foundations of our lives um and you know pluto and saturn both have to do with power you know pluto is usually this, the power in your life what are you giving your power away to are you accessing your own personal power Saturn is our responsibilities and how we define ourselves, our role in society. So we are on this journey to redefine who we are, redefine our lives, look at these power dynamics in our lives and in society overall. You know, I see so much having to do with leadership, especially feminine leadership. You know, what does it take to lead people? Even now, when we are in such an age of independence, we're still interdependent. And it actually benefits us to be in relationships with others. And sometimes that means someone is has power over us or we have a responsibility for power over others. And these are tricky things. Um, as I mentioned in my interview with Shireen, is um, there was an astrologer, Ray Grassi, who said that the Game of Thrones, the TV show, began when Pluto and Saturn were opposite. And now Pluto and Saturn are conjoining and the show series is coming to a conclusion and it is very Saturn Pluto because it is about leadership and power. Um, and if you look at all of the main characters, you know, like if you follow this at all, um, Daenerys Targaryen, you know, she comes from, you know, her, her father, the Mad King, who had this reputation of just being a horrible, destructive force and and crazy and mad yet she is finding that she needs to access her power and be strong yet also she wants to help people along with their own freedom you know she wants to free all these slaves and there's this constant crisis of consciousness she's always facing with she wants to be seen as strong so she can inspire people but she also wants to be seen as someone who cares about the people because she does care but also that is power in a certain way as well because if the people f only fear you you know that's a different kind of of leadership and then you know we see Jon Snow and his leadership you know he's such a kind heart but he also is finding he has to rise up to positions of leadership. And then we also know Cersei Lannister. I mean, now, if she's not evil to the core, um, you know, she certainly appears that way at times. And she is one who is, you know, ruling with an iron fist. And so we just see how these, you know, the wheel of fortune just comes and one minute you could be on top and have all the power. And then the next moment, you know, you could be fallen and suddenly you have no power anymore. And they just try to climb back to that power position. And there's also just this insatiable desire for power. And in the end, we're still left wondering who is the true king? You know, who's the one that deserves the iron throne? Who's the one that has enough strength and power, but also has, you know, the, the heart 
or the charisma to draw people to them that you know people want leading them and look at what's happening in the world you know when we go through our lives and we just are like oh well so and so is in charge so that's who i need to listen to well you know in a democratic society we actually have a certain amount of power to wield ourselves as to who we allow to lead us and I just loved the quote by AOC recently. And so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said recently that in Congress, we are elected to serve, not rule. And I thought that was incredibly important. And maybe that's the type of leaders that we want and we should be putting all of our effort to put in positions of power. Because once someone's in a position of power, they may be hard to remove and they may also not want to give that up. So we want to be very discerning and conscious of who has power over us. And even in our own personal lives, what do we give our power away to? Any individual who we suddenly see as so incredibly amazing and wise and, oh, this is someone I could learn from or this is someone who's special, you know, it's it's like that, that concept. I did a podcast before on it called The Inner Gold where we have all this amazing, beautiful gold within us and we don't really recognize it most of the time and we project it on someone else who suddenly to us... You know, we recognize this brilliance and we think it only belongs to the other when in fact it is part of us. It's a projection and we need to own it. And the other, you know, it's also same with the dark. You know, it's exactly the same as the light and the dark. With the dark, you know, we put our darkness onto others and we make them our enemy and we want to persecute them and tear them down because they are evil and we want to get rid of the evil. Well, you know, that darkness lives in us also as a potential or maybe as something that is unresolved. And so ultimately we want to get a to a place where there is no other. I mean, I think I've heard this phrase for many years, you know, it's like there is no other, you know, we are all one or whatever. It never really meant much. But now I think, I know for me, I can only speak for me, but hopefully those of you who are continuing to do the work of looking at yourself, you know, we each have all the potential within us. And so when we want to blame someone or accuse someone else of not looking at their shadow, (laughs) you know, that's ridiculous. We don't know what people are doing with their internal work. We can make assumptions, but as soon as we start accusing others, you know, it's so much more valuable to turn the light on ourselves and see how can I improve? You know, how, what do I need to see about myself? Because there's only so much we can teach other people, you know, about how to behave or how to be better. I mean, everyone is on their own journey. Um, and so, especially with retrograde planets, retrograde planets are kind of rebellious, you know? All of a sudden, it's like all of this progress that you've been making 
may suddenly feel like it's not so progress anymore. Maybe you're losing ground. Maybe things aren't quite as solid as they felt before. Or maybe it's just time to really look at the roots, look at the foundations of your life and of how you build your own self-identity. You know, what is your self-identity built upon? Is it built upon something real? Is it built upon something loving and beautiful? Are you just trying to cover up a sense of shame and insecurity and incompetence with being, you know, stronger and trying not to ever show your vulnerability or maybe just blaming everyone else for what's going on wrong in your life. We all do this to some degree, right? But it's these times with Pluto and Saturn retrograde that especially stationing retrograde, right? Because these station periods, which really are about 20 days before and after the actual date, they really sort of bear down on us. And so with Pluto, where are we giving away our power that we need to call our power back into us? Where are we just seeking like to control others where we really need to loosen our grip and we really need to understand that Things don't happen on our timetable all the time, you know, and with Saturn also, Saturn is Lord time. Saturn is about form and structure. You know, part of us may feel like we're falling apart with this identity that we've built around, this persona. And that's actually good because that means that there's more to do. There's more to create with who we are and how we present ourselves in the world and the role we take on that we actually willingly take on in the world. Choosing your responsibility, choosing your authority, choosing how you define yourself is really, really important right now. And knowing that whatever we project onto others is inside of us. You know, without any blame, without any shame, that's just how it is. I really find these times to be mirrors, like major mirrors. I don't know. Have you been seeing mirrors? You know, it's like in my relationship with someone who's superior to me, the same kind of dramatic um, dynamic is going on with another person who's I have a certain amount of power over. And it's this give and take of lessons and of insights in our relationships with others and ourselves. So um, with that, I'm really happy to introduce my next guest. She is a dear friend, Shireen Vismaya. Um, I've gotten to know her first through social media and then seeing her present at UAC last year. She is an incredible astrologer. She's a psychoanalyst and a mystic, and she's in private practice in New York City and San Francisco. And for the past 19 years, she's been consulting, writing, and teaching. And she's currently the resident astrologer for LUK since 2005. She writes horoscopes for Loft and Pusheen magazines. She specializes in depression, shadow work, anxiety, creative blocks, eating disorders, and relationships. Shireen has pioneered her own unique approach to Jungian and somatic healing modalities combined with her background in metaphysics and inspired by her yearly pilgrimages to India. She's the author and co-author of several books, including Speculation Now, Transpersonal Astrology, Explorations at the Frontier, and Surviving Saturn's Return. 
dog stars and fate of your date. I'll have to ask her about that one. <laughs> she holds a master's degree from New York University in clinical psychology, a master's in developmental psychology from Pace University, and postgraduate work in psychoanalytic studies from the New School and ISAP Zurich. Shireen teaches classes and workshops internationally. Her website is shireenvismaya.com, and I'll leave a link in the show notes in case you don't know how to spell that. Um, you can also follow her on Instagram, which I highly recommend because she goes on these amazing retreats um, and they're beautiful to follow. And you can also follow her on YouTube where she does some great little YouTube videos on the astrology. And I'll have a link for all of those in the show notes too. So without further ado, here's my discussion with the incredible Shireen Vismaya on Saturn and Pluto retrogrades in Capricorn. Enjoy. So hey, Shireen, thanks for joining me. Hey, my <laughs> pleasure. So um, I wanted, I'm so honored to have you on my podcast. I'm so excited. Oh, thank um, you. And I've been following you on Instagram, first of all, because you do these amazing women's retreats, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do? <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's like my my passion, 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 speaking since I know we're going to be talking about Pluto. Um, I, yes, I love, love, love combining travel with transformational work in beautiful locations. So it's been definitely probably my favorite, one of my favorite things that I do. It doesn't even feel like work. I mean, it just looks like a fabulous <laughs> vacation. <laughs> yeah, but we go deep. I mean, I love it because it's like you're out of time and space. So it feels very mythic. I try to choose very mythic locations mm -hmm. that make you feel like you're out of normal time. Like it feels like you're in dream time or soul time. Yeah. And just getting away from your life and being in these timeless spaces really helps to go deep into the soul work and into the unconscious. So I really am so grateful for any opportunity I have to go. You know, I, I try to choose places that I used to visit on my own for that mm -hmm. purpose. And then now I'm bringing people there because the first, I would say like 10 years before I started doing the retreats, I would just repeat visit places that I could go deep into my own soul work. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, now that I know these places, I feel confident to bring other people into those special destinations. So you were in Madrid, right? Recently? Yeah, that was just, that was, I didn't do a retreat there, but in order to get to Marrakesh, I usually, you know, transit through Madrid or Paris. And it's funny, normally I go through Paris, but this trip, I had this instinct to go back to Madrid, which was one of my favorite places. Mm. And I'm kind of glad I did, because I think it would have been really sad to have been, 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 been in Paris close to the burning so yes well let's I did want to talk a little bit about that because to me that really I mean of course it was heartbreaking and devastating to see Notre Dame this majestic center of where so many of us just unconsciously put our hearts and our hopes into yes. um, not ever expecting it to you know because it's been there for whatever centuries and to see it in flames you know, of course, I'm sure every astrologer was thinking Saturn, Pluto, and it's, you know, Saturn being those structures that we depend on for the, the structuring our consciousness in society and our connection to society. And then when we see them deteriorate or are threatened, it does something to the psyche, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so- 
Yeah. The first thing that struck me though, is that that was when, because we say Pluto stationed retrograde on April 24th, mm-hmm. but actually because it's, you know, an outer planet, they say it takes about like usually seven to 10 days prior to the station when it starts, when we start to sense it and we start to sense it like slowing down. Yeah. Um, that was actually right there at that 10 day mark. And I, to me, that just felt very Plutonic, Saturnian, everything mm-hmm. like that, because it's, it just felt so profound, a profound moment. Oh, for sure. And it feels part of like, you know, a symbolic language and story that's been happening for the, you know, last several years about burning, purification, mm. structures being dismembered, and that giving way to the conversation about old psychological structures that are being burned down or being purified. Yeah. And also I couldn't help but think also with Uranus back into Taurus and this whole, and actually last time when Uranus had just entered Taurus, then there were a lot of these attacks at things like churches and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's our sanctuaries being being shattered. And so it's like, where do you find your sanctuary? And I know a lot of work with psychology or psychotherapy is about really looking within at the inner roots and the inner resources that you have. Because anytime we place all of our sense of self or sense of safety outside of ourselves, if that, if something happens or something shattered, it shatters us within. So there is this need to go within, I would imagine. Now you're a Jungian analyst on top of an astrologer, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how you practice and how you see all of this plutonic material I mean, Pluto, especially in Jungian psychology is a very powerful, I mean, it's just kind of our ongoing work because we're always looking at shadow. Um, And now shadows, for one thing, I can say Pluto having transited Capricorn for so many years since 2008, it's definitely brought the word and the concept of shadow, which used to be Mm -hmm. maybe a little more exclusive to the Jungian world into the mainstream. Mm. And have you noticed, I mean, it's like everyone said since 2008. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. That wasn't the Uranus Pluto square, was it? That was. That was starting that. I mean, I think the Uranus Pluto square was going on. I can't remember the dates now, but um, it was. I know, like it it was on, and it was back and forth after Pluto first went into. I can't. So funny. We've had so many of them. I don't even. My brain is. I just remember there was a one period. I'm pretty sure it was around 2008, 2009. And um, just seems like everything was shattering everywhere you turned, like something, you know. Well, yeah, that was one of the Somebody had a horrible accident. I mean, it was insane. Yeah, so I'm not sure when shadow first came into my consciousness as like just part of pretty much everyday parlance. But you're right. It seems like it's, I, I personally see it as, you know, Pluto was discovered in 1930 at the same time as depth psychology, you know, mm-hmm. was really just being uncovered and illuminated and just all these discoveries with Freud and Young mm-hmm. and spreading. Um, and now, and Pluto was on its own North node in Cancer at the time. And now Pluto is all the way back onto its own South node in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And now we're, we're having this, these conversations again. Now at the time in 1930, the, one of the reasons why all that work started really taking off is because of all the darkness that was emerging in Germany and people wanted to know, you know, what is happening and, and mm-hmm. you couldn't explain it in just, 
everyday, you know, common logic. Um, so there had to be other explanations. And it, it's just interesting. It seems like a mirror of a lot of that experience. Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with the 1930s, probably because I'm so platonic in my horoscope. Everything from the 1930s, the art, the all my favorite artists, writers, artwork. I'm very dialed into that time in my unconscious somehow. And so it is interesting. I hadn't really thought about how it, it ha I had been saying it feels like there's something very similar to pre-World War II mm -hmm. in the zeitgeist right now, for sure. There's like very familiar kind of even, you know, subtle or not, subtle or not so subtle reckoning with those fascist kind of fascist um, yeah. background energies that we're seeing. Yeah, fascism is rising all the time. Again. If we think of that as a, a bigger theme, you know, not just like the extreme of fascism, but just even more subtle variations of fascism in our own interpersonal relationships and oh, yeah. just how that might be playing out in our psyches because it seems to be coming yes. into our awareness again. Especially with Saturn, you know, so close, yes. you know, Saturn's just going to have us, you know, it's going to define it in our consciousness. There's a phrase that uh, Pema Chodron says is about the inner tyranny, you know, yes. and it's like the inner tyranny that we have, first of all, with ourselves. I mean, I'm very, I'm Scorpionic and Capricornian, so... <laughs> So you know, girl, <laughs> there's inner tyranny going on myself, but it's like, yeah, and that inner tyranny, when it gets expressed outwardly and we start to see it in the world and one another, you know, that's where we can see it. It looks, you know, I guess it becomes the unconscious, the shadow. Yeah. And the passion, you know, that's the thing is back in 1930s, people were passionate about mm -hmm. Hitler and because he was making all these promises and painting this great picture of this beautiful pure society or whatever and that was part of this passion that I think can possess people I think of Pluto as like possession is one thing is you know, yeah. not aware of the unconscious well it was interesting because it's stationed yesterday and I was just watching the energies pop up I try to stay open and curious and not project what I think the experience is going to be because it's always a little bit different each time these yeah. stations happen. And um, I, yesterday I was like, I called it the like, what the fuck? I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> WTF um, is up with, wrong with people day. It just felt like, I was like, what? Everyone was really like, it was kind of like the uglier side of yes. revering its head. And I was like, really like, there was so much, you know, I kind of suspected there would be power trips and just watching how, you know, how, again, with Pluto, it can be a little bit under the surface, but yet the potency is so strong, even if you can't quite see it or call it out, you know, you're trying to call it out, you can't quite, it might not be so obvious at first, but you feel it just the way Pluto is kind of on that under, you know, the underbelly or that oh, ice, yeah. the tip of the iceberg kind of energy. And it felt like that. I was like, there's just something so intense going on and, and yet frustrating and I was like oh, people are running power trips that's what happens when Pluto stations so what are the power trips that we have to look at and where do we think we have or deserve you know some part of our ego tries to have more control than control mm -hmm. you know that maybe that's the possession like trying to control things in our own timing when the lesson especially with Capricorn I feel is so much about humility and like letting go and being patient and realizing things take a long time like anything worthwhile takes a long time and it has its own timetable and we can't push or force or speed it up mm -hmm. if we try 
run into trouble. Yeah. And I've been seeing that too. And, you know, there's times in my life where I've achieved things. I mean, especially when I've had Saturn transits, like I've had Saturn on my son, on my ascendant recently. And yeah, I just, you can get so controlling, but then it, you know, when you're squeezing the life force out of something, then, you know, it's like, it's not worth that amount of control. Um, I had a sort mm-hmm. of, I was being doing some kind of group meditation in one of my eclipse circles. I think it was the one about a year ago. And we came up with the, a name of our sort of superpower or, you know, our own avatar. Oh, nice. And mine was orchestra. I don't know where it came from. And I realized that some of the best times where I've, or I've been in a situation where I'm organizing things or people, if I treated it like I was like the director of an orchestra, you know, and allowed everyone their space and everyone to shine, but, but, you know, just kind of sort of kept the, the flow going and directed the flow. Those were the most satisfying to everyone. And they came up with the most magical things, but you know, the tendency can sometimes, especially when you're on a deadline is to like clamp down and control everything. Yeah. That's a whole different experience. Yes. Yes. I know. It's like, especially having Pluto and Saturn so close together and this supposedly being the preview of what's coming next January. It's really interesting to just kind of watch like, well, what, what are the symbols that are being um, dismantled right now and what structures and what, I guess, rules and boundaries are in the process of really being, I always think of Pluto also as like being gutted out I'm seeing so many images of that even the last couple of days in my neighborhood, like places getting, you know, completely renovated for strange accidents and things. I mean, not as dramatic as the Notre Dame, of course, but just, you know, even like this coffee shop that I love by my house, it's like, it's completely gutted out today. And it was normal yesterday just because of some, it says, be closed due to a technical problem. And it was like technical, like, I don't know. And you look in and the whole thing's been taken apart. So, you know, or you see those like the ground completely, you know, torn up and something going on underneath that always feels Pluto, but just, yeah, yeah the excavation and the renovation. Excavations. Yeah. What excavations are going on in our, yeah. in our world. And also, so, you know, for me, well, I remember when I had my Pluto square and I have natally Pluto exactly square the ascendant. And then when I had oh, Pluto yeah. On my ascendant, squaring Pluto, I literally felt, and I do feel it sometimes, like with these Pluto transits, it just feels like such physical pressure in my, you know, in my muscles and everything. So I really just try to take good care. I mean, doing yoga is great, Mm, or massage or something, like literally just taking care of your physical body. Um, And, you know, maybe it's just the mental realm being so pressurized that it just make I don't know it just has an effect that's a great point because I've had a lot of clients recently complaining about more tension that they can't release in their physical bodies and their bones and musculature and oh bones are yeah Pluto Saturn combination of like tension Mm -hmm. holding the tension and I always think of Capricorn as being so connected to fear yes so maybe it's like our fears are both of these planets stationing so close together. And right after this very intense weekend of, regardless of what religion we're, you know, subscribing to, all of them kind of converge at this time of year in terms of a death rebirth theme. Right. And so it's interesting we had that. And then right on the heels of that, we have the Pluto station. And then Monday is the Saturn station retrograde. And so close together with 
South Node. You know what? I just find well, something I posted today. Can I do daily, daily little astro bits? And um, I give myself only just a few lines so that I, you know, can keep it short and condensed. Yeah, it's um, great. I've been hearing about this woman, Abby Wambosh, for a while. She was like a gold medalist, like soccer two-time gold medalist or something. And now she's a public speaker, like inspiring speaker. People were always saying how great she was, but finally it landed. You know, I finally listened to something she spoke about and it's perfect because she says if there was one thing she could impart on just the normal women that in, you know, competitive sports they know is that failure equals power. Um, She said that like in the locker room of a team, you know, like the top team, like before they go out on a really important game, they have a photo pasted on the locker room and it's not something to inspire them or their latest win. It's actually the celebration of their last competitor who beat them, you know, who beat them Mm. badly. And Mm. it's because she said that you actually want to know that it, everyone that's on a team will be benched at some point. doesn't matter how good you are mm. overall, but everyone is on the bench at some point, mm. you know, and it's like they accept it. Mm. Whereas she said in the rest of society, it's like, Oh my God, you had a failure. That's like the worst thing in the world. We fear it so much mm. that then we can't come up from it, you know? So she said that in sports, they use that failure as fuel. She said it's, you know, failures are fuel and fuel is power. And I just kind of think that fear can come, can just stop us from just, you know, putting one step in front of the other, which is ultimately what Saturn wants us to do. And I think especially in Capricorn, it can be a fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And there's been, I noticed that's another interesting thing that's kind of in the collective unconscious is there's been a lot of, I mean, of course, there's tons of inspirational quotes that go around now. <laughs> um, but I noticed that's a big theme is, you know, turning failure into empowerment and turning fear into fearlessness. <laughs> yeah, befriending your fear. I, I also see with this Pluto station, it's really, it's questioning what is power? Like we're all giving ourselves up to some God of power, you know, like in our minds, power means something and we're, we're sacrificing ourselves in some way to it. And I think it's, this is an opportunity to look at Mm. what really is power. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you is uh, Ray, is it Ray? I want to say, oh, Ray Grassi. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. The astrologer. Mm. recently did a thing um, on Pluto Saturn where he said that, do you ever watch Game of Thrones? No, it's so funny. Everyone keeps asking me about this Game of Thrones. Was it you that was asking me about it recently? Oh, no. I just assumed you probably had watched somebody it. Somebody else kept asking me because they said there's somebody on the show with the name Shireen. Oh, yeah, I did. Yes. Oh, I, did. You. I thought so. Okay. I was like, <laughs> and then I said Shireen, whatever. And yeah, she burned <laughs> at the stake. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who was that? That was you. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh, my God. But um, I just wanted to mention that like, because Game of Thrones have been on for like 10 years. And um, they said that 
it's that Sky Ray Grassi, the astrologer, said it started when Saturn was opposite Pluto in the sky, and now we're just wrapping up the final season oh. when the Saturn Pluto conjunction is happening. And that is actually, if you watch Game of Thrones, it's all about power. It's all about power mm. and control. But what's really interesting about it is power is defined differently. Like there's like there was Ned Stark. He was like the great leader. He wasn't quite king. I think he was hand with the king. But everybody loved his beloved and he was just and he was fair. But then he was killed early. And so that kind of... So then his children all were in these power positions, but they, they wanted to be good people. But then they were always reminded that, well, your father was a good man and look what happened to him. He was, you know, decapitated by the king. And then, but then you see all of these other, you just see how power, you know, there's some people that seem evil to the core, you know, but then like Cersei Lannister, she still like has a great love for her children. She'll do anything for them. And, you know, so everyone has like a seed of good and everyone is capable mm. of total evil too. And mm. so, yeah. And, but there's also the, the leaders that are, you know, they'll do what they have to do. You know, if they, it means they have to decapitate someone themselves because they were wrong, they'll do it. But yet they're kind and they're humble. And you know what I'm saying? So I think it's so important <laughs> to watch not maybe not 10 years worth of game of thrones yeah no it sounds like it <clears throat> sounds like it would be a good way to work with the symbols well ray had said that this he felt like it was like an omen almost this whole mm. series is like an omen mm. of what's coming because in the very end it's the white walkers are coming you know they say winter is coming it's mm. the, um like ice whatever zombies <laughs> so it's like and they don't you know we don't know what's going to happen how it's going to turn out it's dangerous but everyone has this you know sense zombies. of ending doom yeah like the people on their cell phones yeah oh like you're right their cell phones i mean people are becoming zombies well and also it's like so with the white walker zombie it's like any typical zombie thing where it's like you know if one of them kills you or whatever bites you or something then you become one of them and haven't we felt that? I mean, ever since the election, 2016 election, you know, you turn around, you're like, you're one of them? Yeah. I mean, the zombie thing has been coming in a lot of my clients' dreams recently, too. It's interesting. I have noticed that's been a, a that's always a disturbing. <clears throat> and um, yeah, and I was just thinking about that Jung quote where he says, like, the best thing you can do for society is to become conscious of your shadow. And I think more, I mean, we can say this I mean that he's that quote goes back to he probably said he probably said that in the 30s I don't even know when that quote was written but um I feel like more I mean of course every generation probably say now more than ever but it always feels like we're getting closer and closer it's like it's really I mean what is that wonderful little girl's name that little Swedish girl I'm blanking on her oh, name oh Greta something or yeah the yeah. one that's the climate activist the climate, where she's like it's a panic you know like you, I want you to have the house is on fire because it is. Yeah, the house is on fire. Yeah, the, that that image. I mean, I think that's kind of what the gods are trying to tell us. Like your house is on fire. I mean, kind of ironically. Well, Notre Dame caught on fire. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And like the yeah. I'm living in California, everything was on, the house is on, on fire. fire. Yeah. Last fall, like you know, San Francisco was on fire. I remember fire. that. Oh my god. And um, not San Francisco, but the smoke was coming over here. Just right across the bridge was on fire. And um, to the point, I mean, we had air quality, we had to get out of the city, it was so bad. And um, 
I mean, that's nothing to say for the people that actually lost their homes and neighborhoods and everything and all the poor animals, but I'm, I just I feel mean, like the fire. Yeah, thing oh God, really well, the other thing that was so interesting about that is, you know, you, you never see the rich and famous billionaires and Hollywood stars ever get, you know, it seems like they never get touched. Well, this time, a lot yeah. of them were, they lost their homes too. You know, it's like nobody's yeah. immune. Yeah, that's true. It's no one is exempt from mother nature. Um, you know, another thing that Jung had said, it's interesting you said that you're seeing all this stuff coming up in dreams because um, I read recently a quote by Jung who said that he predicted well before Hitler came into power that he yeah. that a character just like Hitler was coming mm -hmm. because he saw it in all of his German clients dreams mm -hmm. it was called the blonde beast or something mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it was yeah I guess just this this hunger for this like purity of yeah the father symbol yeah and also he knew that about he predicted World War II because of the vision blood, you know bloodshed dreams and there was also a point where he'd said that it, when this darkness is rising, it's like standing on top of a, a volcano, an active mm -hmm. one that's about, you know, and you start to feel underneath your feet. That's cool. rumbling and something's happening. And it's like, well, what do you do? I mean, you, you're not going to be able to stop it, but what you do, what you can do. And to me, that's a very Plutonic, you know, Plutonic, like Pluto transits are very singular. You suddenly just become alone. It's just you and your soul, you know, mm -hmm. your soul comes to the fore and then what do you do? And what you do is, I mean, we make whatever difference we can in the collective, but we also have to, we ultimately are responsible for our own purpose and our own soul. So I think the one good thing is I see people getting really serious and really fully integrating their you know, their sense of spirit and their sense of who they're meant to be and what they're me meant to do. Because like now or never, you know, you might as well do it now because there's only so much we can do to stop this darkness emerging. Well, the imperative it is to bring the darkness to light now. It's like there's no choice mm -hmm. because if we are all of this, then yeah. the collective accumulated, repressed, you know, fear, guilt, shame, power complexes, all of that is coming to light, whether we're ready or not. So it's up to each individual now to do that work of facing his own or her own shadow. And I think that part of the process right now is really, I mean, it's interesting. I was thinking about how Capricorn's so connected to the um, archetype of the devil in the tarot mm -hmm. and how we're kind of seeing like in the devil being, you know, an indication of materialism gone awry or, you know, mm -hmm. power complexes gone awry, like, give, like you were saying earlier, giving your power away to something in the material world, mm -hmm. like placing your all of your personal life force, power, energy into something, you know, kind of, I guess in the most colloquial sense, it would be selling your soul to the devil, that expression, mm -hmm. you know, and all of us having to look at how we've sold out or how we are still selling out or how we may have yeah. sold a piece of ourselves or our integrity to whatever devils, whatever powers that anything that has power over us, anything we're in bondage to psychologically is really highlighted. I think when Pluto stations, and then now we've got to kind of do the, the work, like the delving into the more subtle aspects of that, you know, the things, the places we don't want to look in our own psyche. We want to always think it's out there. Like it's those people. It's like, we're not, it's, it's so it's Trump people or, but we, you know, we're all responsible for Trump. 
Mm-hmm. We can't just say, oh, you know, it's th- that half of the country that is responsible. No, he's there in all of our collective unconscious. So we all have to do the work to look at if we don't like it. What is that in our own psyche? Yeah. Yeah, because I think sometimes it's it's worse when things go unsaid because, you know, I guess we thought we fixed it. We fixed, you know, racism way back when, you know, the 60s was like a really ugly, you know, time with that, with the, the civil rights movement. Um, I'm sure it was just living like in a civil war practically at, a t- at that time and you know, I think a lot of people thought, okay, well, that's done. Um, although we knew it was still under the rug, still under the rug. And uh, for some of us and for some other people, a lot of African Americans totally was like, no, it wasn't under the rug. Um, but um, at least now we're really seeing the fullness of it. And rather than it continuing we can do the work it takes to clear it and i think that's what we're trying to do now like even young said i guess before he died that um he you know we still there's still so little we know about the human mind and mm-hmm. unconscious and how it works you know and how to heal it oh yeah it's like what is it 10 percent? we know we know 10 percent of ourselves maybe mm. i think is the number that is used often wow. but He also, the quote, another quote that has been going around a lot, which I think is really kind of perfect for right now is the one about how people will do anything, no matter how absurd to avoid facing your own soul. Your own shadow. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a soul even like all our distractions, you know, all the apps, all the things like we're so clever. I mean, that's kind of the, that might be the crisis right now is like, okay, there's more and more distractions. So are we getting further and further away from our souls? It's easy to, you know, you have a disagreement with somebody and then you can just ignore them and go on to any of your other thousands of Facebook friends and like mm. get fed for, you know, that you're a good person or whatever. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, before phones, you probably remember this. I mean, yeah. God, if I had 10 friends, I was popular, you know, like, I mean, who knew hundreds <laughs> Well, but these are not really friends that we have now in social media. Right. It's like, how many of these people do you really have a connection with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you even know? <laughs> right, exactly. Of but it's like the, the idea of friendship has just become so disposable. Um, it's, it's just like, a number. That's where it feels like a zombie thing because it's like, and half of people's followers or whatever are bought or fake or bots or who knows? I mean, it's all illusion now. And um and we're all like stuck in this weird game of that, of like, I don't know, like, I don't even know when that started, but that when that whole like thing started and the numbers thing started and then followers thing started. And I mean, that's really, when you really get to the bottom of it, it's quite pathological. I mean, yeah. it's quite disturbing that we're all stuck in that game, you know, because it's, it's how the, the material world is being run. And so in a way, if we need to I mean we have to we'd have to be very clever and strategic not to play along with that I don't even know how you know we'd have to kind of live in a different kind of bubble or something but if we live in that world you know the material world that's the new infrastructure it's crazy when you really like sit down and reflect upon it it's like oh my god with algorithms and all the things that if you would have told I keep saying if People would have told me, you know, even 10, I don't even know, I I don't even think it's been 10 years that we've been in this. If you told me 10 years ago, I'd say, oh no, that's not going to happen. That's crazy. (laughs) No one would believe it. Like it would sound completely insane. Like 
okay, so your reality is going to be run by likes and how many people like something that you post and how many people follow it. And then you have to get your numbers up and then you have to deal with algorithms and then you have to try to like, and there's other, you buy an app to like help your other app. You know? <laughs> ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I was, cause you know, I was in Switzerland recently. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to hear about that. Going on my little Jungian visit. Yeah, I know. I wanted to hear Mecca. Um, yeah, I'm going to be there. And, next yeah, I'll tell you all about it. And um, you know, and Zurich is a pretty big, you know, it's a good sized city and mm-hmm. it's pretty modern and stuff. But we would go out to you know cafes and bars and restaurants, and I was like, oh my god, nobody is on their phone. Even if there were people by themselves, they would look be reading a newspaper which is like oh my god that's just so ancient (laughs) but i'm sure people use their phones a lot and stuff like that but at least in social situations i was really surprised like young people too they were actually talking to each other they were actually engaging i mean i felt weird because i wanted to take photos of things you know everything place is so beautiful taking pictures of my food and stuff and yeah but that's good it was I, it was so refreshing and beautiful and freeing and you know nice to know that people aren't just you know they still value yeah they still value the food culture there like with meals like it's offensive like I remember even being in Zurich a few years ago and bringing my laptop to breakfast to do work while I was eating and they were horrified mm-hmm. <laughs> horrified it was like offensive to the food and I thought you know they're right like this is just a bad habit I picked up. Yeah. In the West of like working breakfast, working lunch, working dinner, even mm-hmm. as a writer, you know, we always have deadlines, but it's like, oh, but why, why do we have to multitask? That's just something from right. the Western culture. I mean, except Western, I shouldn't say Western. I'm so used to being comparing to India. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite incredible that we think that that's normal. And hopefully, yeah, there's still some places on earth where they value the human connection. And I feel like we do have to get back to that. I was hoping Uranus and Taurus was going to force us back into that. I think, I think so though. I still think there's time for that. Um, What I'm noticing is more people, you know, because I've been running an online business for since like 2011. Well, 2013 is really when it was like taking off. And now people are really wanting to do retreats like what you do, you know? So I want to talk to you about doing a retreat sometime. I'm putting it out there publicly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We should host a a, a retreat because I know my, my people that have been coming to my eclipse circles, my courses want to do something in person. um, Yes. I think we just want to connect more because, and even in my eclipse circles, I mean, we really connect over, you know, as much as we can, you know, Mm-hmm. over zoom and over you know email and things like that but there there's something about that human connection i think people are really craving it now yes mm-hmm. i felt that that's probably why i'm trying to do more and more retreats because i need it too personally i'm like it feels so good the one we just had was a venus retreat <gasps> and- Oh my God. Yeah. And everyone, all the women were like, oh my God, this is, I just want life to be like this because we weren't on our phones. I mean, except to take occasional beautiful photo, but you know, we were together like having um, wonderful sharing meals together and ritual and the way it used to be like how I remember before I had a, mm-hmm. my first, you know, whatever phone that did more than make phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how much this, again, speaking of the soul, like I feel like we have to get back to the soul. And if Pluto is our, one of our vehicles back, I always think of Neptune too, being very connected to the soul, but Pluto Mm -hmm. 
maybe to the soul's depths. Mm-hmm. So Pluto can take us back. Yeah. And so as this Saturn Pluto gets closer, you know, we're really feeling that pressure, I think, mm-hmm. both sides of the Pluto and Saturn, getting real with our souls. Like, I think realizing that it is really driving everything and that soul can be destructive as much as it can be creative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, um, one of my favorite Barbara Hanna quotes is like quote day for some reason, our podcast (laughs) (laughs) or like misquotes. I think because I must be tapping into your unconscious because you, you love quotes. I love quotes. Which I love about you. I love quotes. (laughs) We're bringing out the inner quoter in each other. Um, she says, I, and I don't remember the exact quote, but I used to have it on my old website and it, is the unconscious is I think she says the unconscious is beautiful and terrible. Mm. She was one of Jung's um, big disciples. I love her work. I don't know if you've read any of her stuff. You would love it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the name. But I don't know. Yeah, her. she's not as well known, but she's a fantastic writer about if you want to if you want a really good reference for um, work on the animus. Mm. She's got great material to really understand the animus. Barbara Hanna, you said. Barbara Hanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did one of Jung's uh, biographies. Oh, okay. I'll have to read it. I love his biographies. I know, we do. And so what's next up for you? What do you have going yeah. on? Well, I'm in the process of rebirthing Project 40. That's my most exciting thing because I did 40 of them. Oh, and, you did? Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, and, and it was during like 40, a 40-day 40 thing, right? 40, 40 days. Yeah, 40, 40-day 40 themes that I started back in 2010. Wow. And so it really spanned the Uranus and Aries cycle, I realized. And so <laughs> so you burned through all those 40. <laughs> yeah. So now the new one, the rebirth, is it's got to have a Uranus and Taurus influence. So that I'm, my plan is to, um, it's going to reincarnate. Um, probably on the summer solstice is what I'm feeling. So that's exciting. So I'm incubating all of that right now. And part of that process is I am also uh, going to the, also to the, uh, back to Zurich, to the Jungian Odyssey in a couple weeks. The Jungian Odyssey. And the theme this year was, uh, was it mind crippling emotions? Yeah. What was the theme this year? Yeah. Something like that. Let me see. I forgot. They they have the best titles. I'm pretty sure it was mind crippling emotions. That's so intense. Wait, I got to see if that's, is that really what it's called? Let's see. Oh yes. That's the subtitle. You're right. What's the title title? It's minding, minding crippling emotions. The title is rupture and repair. Oh, just so perfect. That's perfect. they always tap into the best collective unconscious themes, don't they? They're so great. Yes, and you know what? Repair is so important. I think people have this whole thing around forgiveness. Forgiveness is like the hardest thing you could ever do. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you value relationship, then you can make an effort to make a repair. Which I love that because it's like you know something ruptured when you repair it. It might not be the same as before, but you're at least attempting to, you know, help to, to heal that rupture. That's how well, I- the forgiveness, I mean, all of those grudges or resentments are part of that Pluto unconscious complex that is creating the negativity in the world. So that is also part of our, I think, our divine assignment. Each of us is to work on forgiveness because if we're holding any judgments, I always think, you know, Pluto and tarot. And the tarot deck is the judgment card. So if we're holding any judgments, that's really what the lack of forgiveness is, is standing in judgment still. 
about something. Yes, and it's coming up to the devil, Saturn. <laughs> so you got the devil card and the judgment card. Judgment and devil together, or the world and devil. It's kind of intense energies, to say the least. Huh? That's kind of the collective unconscious energies we're living in. And then the year, at least for the year energies we've got for the numerology, we have the Empress and the Hangman, which is a little lighter. <laughs> Not necessarily the Hangman, but the Empress. I is love lighter. the Empress. And the world. So we have those three for 2019. Empress. And it's a three-year, right? Because it's the three-year, so all those are. And what awesome. does three-year, just quickly, like what does that symbolize? So it's all, it's got those three layers. So on the one level, it's got the manifestation energy of the Empress, which is about giving birth to something new, mm-hmm. Venus, beauty, creativity. And then it's got that surrender element, the higher octave of Venus, which is Neptune, which is the hangman, which is about not, you know, surrendering, not knowing what's coming. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are, have been saying like they can't even plan what's happening in the next week, let alone the next year or three years right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. It really feels like that. And, um, and then the world, which is Saturn, that level of manifestation, which is where you actually crystallize once you come through that unknown surrender period, you crystallize the, the new form, which I think that's going to be at the end of the year. So it feels like we're kind of dancing between, or maybe we could say it's, again, the dismantling of the old structures with Saturn. We don't know. Saturn's doing an interesting dance in Capricorn in his own sign. Well, I absolutely love having you as a guest on my podcast. Oh, and letting people know that I loved being on your podcast too. Yes. I'll put a link to Yes, yes. We still have that one up. What were, I don't remember what we were talking about. We were supposed to be talking about Saturn, but I think it was, it was Venus and Scorpio. And we were so Ooh. obsessed with that. Yeah, <laughs> so we it ended up being more Scorpionic. But. Yeah, yeah. We should revisit that. Yes. yes that was a great conversation. Well, I love having you on and I love following you on Instagram. What's your Instagram uh, handle? Oh, it's, um, it's my name, Shireen Vishmaya. Yeah. Oh my God. And your recent, your trips have been fabulous. And like I said, I'm going to manifest. Hopefully we can do something together. We talked about doing a course. Maybe we're going to be doing something together soon. We got to get here to bring into form. Yes. Yes. Because um, I love your work. I'm a huge fan oh, of your work. I love you. your videos. Um, check her out. You have a YouTube station too, right? I do. Yeah. It's also, I think, my name. Pretty sure. Okay. Shireen Vishmaya. I'll link yeah. to all of that. Um, on my website. And you, you just have such a depth and such, you know, this curiosity and you hold such loving space for your clients and and um, I just love everything you do. So thank, thank you, you yeah. for bringing your magic to the world. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, my dear, you have a great day. I'll okay, see you next time. <laughs> okay. Bye.